0: Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that every person that's here today is not here by an accident. Lord, they may have got uh, invited by someone, or Lord, maybe they've been here a hundred times. Uh, Lord... You know every single heart, every single life. And, Lord, I'm just asking today, God, that, they're, uh, that they would realize that they're not here by accident. But, Lord, you uh, desire to impart a greater measure of who you are in their lives today. And so, Father, I'm just asking, God, that you would uh, just remove any obstacle that would keep us from hearing your word and hearing your truth today. And, Lord, that our hearts would be open so we could see just how much you love us and how uh, just real you want to be in our lives. So, Holy Spirit, come and do only what you can do. And uh, that's the impossible in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, something that I think is so amazing about today is this, is that Christians all around the world are turning their hearts and they're turning their attention in a really unified effort. You know, maybe to understand that for a second, that, you know, so often the church is divided on so many different things. Uh, But today is the one day that we all rally around the one thing that we cling to and the one thing that we believe. We turn our, uh, once again, our attention and our hearts towards two of the greatest events that's ever happened in human history. And the first one is this. We all know it's Good Friday it's the Good Friday experience where we celebrate the cross, right? And then there's the this, this Sunday, what we're experiencing today, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, when you combine those two things together, that's where, you know, that's the two things that make up Easter. And, uh, you know, this holiday has come to uh, represent the culmination or the uh, crescendo, if you will, of what I believe is the uh, rescue mission of all rescue missions, do you know it's the fact that here's God in this great effort to do what? To rescue or to save the human race from the penalty of their sin. And in fact, I love how Jesus put it when he said this. He actually he was uh, hanging out one day with his disciples, and he actually told them how the rescue mission was going to go down. It's found in actually in, in Matthew chapter 20. Let, let's read that. It says this. It says he took the 12 disciples aside and told them what was going to happen to him. In verse 18, he said, listen, fellas. We're going to go up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed. Obviously, he's talking about himself. To the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. says they will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, to be flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, aren't you glad for the third day? says that he will be raised from the dead. Gang, that's the Easter message in a nutshell right there. And uh, what you'll see in a minute, going to kind of jump ahead of ourselves. So to kind of maybe put this in your pocket. What I think so amazing is here in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is saying, fellas, here's what's about to happen. And they didn't get it. It absolutely went over their head. It didn't compute. They didn't connect the dots, but we'll get there in a second, all right? So anyways, listen, uh, over the years, every one of us in this room have heard that the Easter story is a story of unconditional love. Is that true? That we've all heard, man, that the story of Easter is a, is a story of undeniable power, of selfless sacrifice. It's a story of forgiveness, of grace and mercy. It's a story of freedom. It's a story of redemption. And uh, I don't think anybody in here, if you really know the story, could argue with any of that. Every one of those things kind of helped. Paint the picture or maybe paint the complete picture of what jesus did for us through his death burial and resurrection Is that true? But you know the thing that I want to talk about this morning In fact, the thing that I feel really compelled to talk about this morning is is a really really small piece of the story It's small, but it's really big and I think it's something that we overlook a lot of times and it's simply this It's that the easter story is really a story of hope it's really a story of hope. And in fact, I don't believe Peter could have said it any better when he said this. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Can somebody say that today? Can you say living hope? Living hope. A living hope through what? How did he give it to us? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, I I think, you know, when we think about the word hope, so often I I think we really miss the concept of what hope is really all about. And and part of the reason is, is because part of the way we use it in our society tends to roll out more in this kind of context. They say something like this, you you know, I I, I hope my husband quits snoring, right? I I hope I can fit in this dress by next Easter. (laughs) Talking about you ladies, not me, by the way. Let's clarify that. You know, as us men, we say, man, I I hope my wife gets my favorite kind of ice cream while she's at the store. Maybe you're a student here and you think something like this. Man, I hope I can pass that test I didn't study for. (laughs) Anybody ever been there and need some grace in that moment? Listen, maybe you're a sports fan here and you say this. Man, I really hope Brady can lead another comeback. Might be too soon for that one, though, right? So, listener, maybe you're like this, man, I've been working really hard, man, I really hope I can get that promotion, that raise that I've been wanting. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I making sense here? So, listen, in this this, uh, kind of hope here, basically it's saying this, that I am extremely uncertain of the outcome here, so I'm going to cross my fingers, I'm going to hope, or I'm going to wish for the best. You know, I don't think that's uh, the kind of living hope that Peter was talking about. I think when Jesus died for us and he resurrected, he wasn't giving us some wishful hope that that we kind of think, man, that maybe something's going to happen. Maybe there's something that we're grasping at that we're hoping we can kind of cling to. The reason I don't think that is because that kind of hope has zero assurance to it, right? But but here's what's so amazing. I, I think this, that... When we begin to think about the kind of hope that Jesus provided for us, it wasn't the kind of hope that crosses our finger and wishes. It's basically this, and here's why. Maybe let me make this more clear. is that kind of hope, uh, it, it basically requires nothing of us. We just desire something. But when it comes to the kind of hope that Peter was talking about, that living hope or that kind of hope that Jesus provided for us through the resurrection, it requires something of us. And it requires this one thing. Don't miss this today. It requires us to trust what does it require us to trust? It requires us to trust God's promises. To understand today that this kind of hope we're talking about, it rests on, it relies on, it clings to, it's founded on the very promises of God. So true, right? So for that reason, let me give you maybe a biblical definition for hope. Hope simply means this it means a confident expectation. Get that a confident expectation. And what is to come. So understand it is a future thing. Now let me maybe kind of jump ahead here. If for you guys in there, that are in this room. That you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus. The greatest hope that we have is that Jesus is coming back one day. Amen. Right? It doesn't get any better than that. To understand that he said that I go and prepare a place for you. And I will come back to get you. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Listen, in fact, let me maybe say this. I love what Paul said in First Thessalonians. He said, for we are not people that don't have hope. Right? That's the significant difference between a person who walks with God and a person who doesn't walk with God. It's like this. As a pastor, I'll just say it this way. You, you know, there's such a significant difference when I go to a funeral and someone that walked with God knew God and they die. The room's full of hope. Because why? Because they know where they're at. They know that it's, it's this, it's this uh, confident expectation, what to come, what, that they go to heaven, to go to be with Jesus. But when you go to those funerals, and I've been there, my family, or obviously what we just do for a, for a living, that when you go to a funeral, people don't have a clue who God is. There's such a depression in the atmosphere. Why is there that depression? Why is there that heaviness in the atmosphere? It's simply because that person didn't have any hope. Amen. See, it's, it's the God kind of hope that declares this from the ashes. That when you walk with God, when you grab a hold of His kind of hope, it says this, that no matter what I'm facing in this moment, I expect my future to be good. Why? Because I know my God is good. Yes. See, it's kind of like this. You know, I, you know I'm sitting here going, okay, well, Pastor, how in the world can you say that? The reason I can say that that I know my future is good is because all I have to do is look at the story that we talked about, that Easter message, right? The story that we're talking about today and all I have to do is go, man, it's, it's an undeniable, unmistakable proof that God's goodness was on display in the Easter story, right? To understand that here's Jesus. He's talking. He said, hey, look, guys, uh, nobody takes my life. He's God, right? Nobody takes my life. He goes, I lay down my life for my friends, to understand that, that who's going to really go grab the God of the universe and nail him to the cross unless he says, you can. Right? That's the love of God on display. So the reason we can sit here today and have, this, have this, uh, this kind of hope is simply because this. is because we're confident in the fact that he loves us. We're confident in his character. We're confident in his nature. We're confident in his promises. And all that together says what? At the end of the day, I have an expectant hope that he'll never leave me nor forsake me in this life or in the one to come. See, just out of curiosity this morning, if we can kind of hit the blinker, we're talking about what hope's not, what hope is. If we kind of maybe hit a blinker, hang a right. I just said right and I pointed left. That's great. Right. I love moments like this. Have you ever thought about what happens with a person when they lose their hope? Have you ever thought about that? What happens when a person, get that, when they lose their hope? I've been doing this a long time, and I tell you, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of that happen over the years. And let me give you kind of an example. So often people do this. Uh, I've seen people lose hope in the spouse that they're married to. So ultimately they they lose hope in their marriage. So what do they do when they lose hope? They give up. You, You know, over the years I've watched people do this. I've watched them go to the doctor and the doctor gives them a report that's really not good. What do they do? They lose hope and they give up. I've seen parents, I did youth mystery for a long time, and I've seen parents, As I'm dodging a bug, I've seen parents, literally they have a, a kid that's running the streets, they can't get a handle on them, they, they can't figure out what's going on, they're trying to talk to them, they try to get them help, and it seems like that kid's not coming to his senses. I've seen parents again and again and again lose hope for their kid and they give up. I've even seen people do this, and, and this is amazing. I've seen people say, well, you know, uh, you know, I've done X, Y, and Z, and, man, That's so awful. It's so bad. I don't know how God could ever forgive me for that. So they say, you know what? I just, man, I just lose hope, and they, and they give up. And they run as far as they can from God because they don't want this confrontation where they have to deal with their stuff. See, it's kind of like this. Every day, things like this. We're just getting real and honest today. And all I'm trying to do for a moment is just let's connect to this thing called hope, okay? is every day there's people that lose a loved one, right? They die. There's every day there's people wake up and there's so much financial stress and pressure on their lives. They don't know how they're going to pay their bills. They don't know how they're going to feed their kids. And you know, so often they say this, man, I, man, I went to work today. and you know, I've been there 30 years. And they said, you know what? You're, you're done. See you. Here's a box. Get your stuff. Get out. You know, how many people, once again, every day have unmet expectations in relationships? And because there's so many unmet expectations in that relationship, what happens is it ends up being a broken relationship. Or what about when just people say this, man, you know, know, I've had addictions for 30 years, man, I just can't beat it. Those people lose hope, right? What about those people that say this? It's really simple. I'm trying not to go so devastation mode today, so work with me and bring it back into balance. But, but it's kind of like this. Even in the simple fact that there's so many people that wake up every day and they say this, I don't know my purpose. Yeah. To understand that those list of things, every day they rob people of their hope. And the reason they rob their people of their hope is, is simply this. is because they, 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 can't, they can't see what's ahead. And so what happens is when you can't see what's ahead, guess what? Feelings like confusion, despair, depression, anger, anxiety, hatred. I mean, you kind of go down the list. All that floods people's lives. And, and, and watch this so, so you don't miss it here. It doesn't mean that someone is just like totally just ah, in all of that. It can be just quietly in their heart. They don't even have to ever utter it to anybody and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling rage. <laughs> Right? So so. listen, in the context today, I, I want you to do this and what we're talking about. Reel it in for a second and think about the little town you live in. Do you not think people need hope? You, you know, you know uh, I, I'll just say this. I'll just pick on a group of people real quick. I'm amazed when I get around because uh, every week I'm, I have the opportunity to be around a, a group of young lobstermen. These guys are making a killing. An absolute killing, and they're the most miserable people I've ever met in my life. Right? So, so it shows that it's not necessarily in what I have, it's in what's in here. Think about this for a second. Let's go not just in our towns, right? But let's think about people's homes. Let's think about people's marriages, people's lives. And then let's go really on a big, big scale. Think about for a second our nation. Turn on the news, and you'll see very quickly what it's like to not have hope. In fact, listen, I haven't been around that long, but but I know in my almost 40 short years, I've never seen our nation be so at odds with one another, ever, ever, right? Have you ever seen the, in fact, I was talking to a fellow from another country about three weeks ago, and he said this, he goes, man, the the hate in this nation, I've never seen it before, and this guy's lived all over the world. You know, there's such an unrest in our society, and the reason is, is this: they don't have hope. So, kind of maybe bring it back in here. When we say this, what happens to people when they lose hope? Give you a real quick statement: When people lose hope, they lose their ability to dream for the future. It's really that simple. They lose their ability to dream for the future. And the reason is, is if I can give you an address that we talk about here quite often, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, here's God talking to all of us. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a what? Hope and a future. So your hope and your future, they're connected, gang. If you don't have hope, you can't have a future. Let me give you an example, and this may sound super silly, but it might wake the kids up. I don't know. Let me give you an example of what a person's life looks like. And I'll quit beating this horse and we'll move on. But what a person's life looks like that isn't full of hope. It's almost like their, their life is, it resembles a cell phone. Watch this. It resembles a cell phone that's lost its service, that's disconnected. It's kind of like this. It still turns on. It still has a few neat fit features, right, if you like a calculator and a calendar, Okay. But in reality, its purpose, when it's disconnected, when it has no service, it, it, it's, its purpose is it's lost. Why? Because you can't call anybody. Have you ever been there when you're in the spot, you're like, man, I really need to get a hold of somebody. My stupid phone will not work. Go to Verizon. All right? Yeah, I remember when I was with Sprint. every elevator I got in, we lost that call. So maybe they've improved. Maybe they'll give me a break on that big old bill they give me every month for saying that. That was free advertisement. All right, so anyways. But, but listen, when, when we become disconnected from our hope, listen, we may be alive and some things may be working. But in reality, deep inside, we're just a wandering mess. Is that not so true? I think it's true, even if you don't. Listen, the Bible puts it this way. Here's some little biblical language for you. It says in Proverbs thirteen twelve. it says this. It says, hope deferred, or hope that is scattered, hope that's drawn away, makes a heart sick, that it makes a heart weak, that it makes a heart wounded, it makes a heart grieved, it makes a heart be in pain. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. Is everybody with me today? Alright, so it's this spot right here. I told you I'm only going to give you a small piece of the Easter message. So if you came here today expecting the traditional Easter message, I apologize. You're going to leave disappointed, okay? You can email my wife and complain to her. Don't complain to me, all right? (laughs) Here's where I want to pick up on the story. It's just the one piece I want to grab a hold of today. Is this? Is remember we said earlier that when the disciples, uh, when Jesus pulled the disciples aside and he began to speak to them privately, and he said once again, "Hey, fellows, we're going to go up to Jerusalem, and when we get there, guess what? I'm going to be betrayed." I'm going to be betrayed, and you know the the Pharisees and the scribes are going to come get me. And what's going to happen? They're going to turn me over to the Romans, the Roman Empire, and man, they're going to in a very unmerciful way. They're going to beat me. They're going to mock me. They're going to put a crown thorns. You know, they're going to crucify me. They're going to do all of this. Yeah, thank you for putting it back up. But, fellas, don't worry. You know, on the third day, I'm going to raise from the dead. You know, there's several times Jesus said, "Hey, this has got to happen." When we look at that. You know, it's real easy for us to see how the disciples totally whiffed it. And we think, man, you're so dumb. You know, we kind of roll our eyes at them. How did you not get it? How could you not see the whole picture? And the reason is, is because, you know, we, we have the ability to read the Bible and see the whole picture. But, but I want to talk about today, why did they not understand it? Why did they not? And you got to get this, okay? The reason that they didn't understand what Jesus was saying, you know, he might as well have been speaking Chinese to them, Okay? But the reason they didn't get it is because uh, the Jewish people, for hundreds of years, have been teaching their children, okay, disciples included, of what? That guess what, man, there's a Messiah that's going to come. There's this anointed one that's going to come. And when he comes, man, here's what he's going to do. He is going to deliver us from the oppression of the Roman people. And so what they do, they taught their children how to wait for that, how to pray for that, how to believe for that, how to hope for that. And so here they are, they're anticipating that, That guess what, that he's going to come and he's going to do this. In fact, they're thinking that, man, when Jesus showed up on the scene, man, he's going to come in there with guns ablazing, so to speak. And he's going to defeat and he's going to rescue them from the Roman Empire. But that's not how Jesus came, is it? See, they were expecting him to be a ruling king, a conquering king. But but when he came, he came as a servant king. He came as a sacrificial lamb. Yes, he was the lion, but he was also the lamb that said, guess what, I'm going to once again offer my body as as a spotless sacrifice, and I'm going to die on the cross. And the reason I'm going to do that is because, guess what, through my death and my resurrection, I'm going to defeat and rescue all of mankind, not from a Roman empire, but for a kingdom that's far greater than that. It's called the kingdom of darkness. That's good news, right? See, that's why the Bible says that when you receive Jesus, you pass from what? You pass unto light. So you came out of darkness, you came into light. Why? Because he defeated that kingdom. That's good news. Let me give you proof real quick, because if you're like me, you got to have it, of how these guys expected Jesus to be this conquering king, Okay, their expectation. Basically here in Luke 24, to kind of give you an idea, Jesus has been dead for three days. And you got two fellows, one of them's named Cleophas. If, if, listen, if you're a young couple here and, and, and you're looking for a name for your firstborn child, Cleophas is a powerful name. <laughs> it's free, you can use it. Um, actually, what's interesting is church history tells us that this guy was actually Jesus' cousin. Kind of interesting, huh? So Cleophas and his buddy are walking down the road, and we all know the story because we've read it, that, that basically the guy that they're actually talking to is Jesus, but they don't know it at the time. And, and Jesus says, hey, guys, what are you talking about? And they say, man, uh, they, they crucified Jesus. And it says, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. It says, but our leading priests and our other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And Jesus is sitting there thinking, that's what I told you. Right? <laughs> And it says in verse 21, it says, We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. So listen, as you can imagine, watch this, because once again, they didn't know the whole picture like we do. When they watched Jesus be, literally, here's Jesus praying in the guard. We know he's sweating, uh, you know, sweating blood. And here comes three to six hundred soldiers that come rolling in there to get him with all these uh, weapons, right? And, and I love it. I wasn't planning on saying it, but I like it. It's one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. I love the fact when Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And what did he say? He said, I am which was the declaration that he was God. What does the book of John say happened? It says that the power of God was released and those 600 people fell to the ground like they were dead. I have yet to wrap my brain around how in the world they got up and decided to arrest him after that. <clears throat> I'd be like, well, my bad, man. We at the, the wrong house. We at the wrong house. Sorry, i got to go. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, right? So anyways, but, but can you imagine that here they are, they have this expectation that this guy is going to be the Messiah. And then here they come, all these 600 people, and they arrest him. And not only do they arrest him, once again, they, they I'm not trying to belabor the point, but they mock him, they beat him, they knelt him to the cross. And ultimately, these guys watch their, their man, their guy that they're following, they watch him absolutely, uh, once again, die on the cross. And so if you can imagine, these guys are absolutely shell-shocked. Right, their, their messianic expectations, their expectation or their uh, messianic hope was absolutely shattered, and, and I think that Mark put it in a real—he uh, didn't do it justice. I'll say it that way. But if you can kind of get it, it, says this in verse ten: those who had been with him were mourning and weeping. Man, if there's ever been an understatement in the Bible, it's that—that that they were mourning and weeping. Listen, these guys were, were guts, not crying. You know, you ever crossed the hearts? Not just going everywhere. I mess with y'all too much there, right? So, anyways, but 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 these guys these guys were heartbroken, man. They, they were grieving. Why? Because once again, uh, Jesus, the guy that they said, "I'll go wherever you want to go. I'll follow you wherever you want to go." You, you know, you're my guy. You're 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 the rabbi. I'm going with you, man. He was dead. Jesus was dead, and so they're sitting here and they're going, "Man, I don't have an answer." I don't know which way to go. And they're sitting there thinking, man, for the last three and a half years, everything that I experienced, every miracle that we saw, guess what? What, what was the point? Did I just waste three and a half years? You know, Peter's sitting there, man, I had a great fishing business. What would I leave it for? Am I making sense, you guys? You, you know, it's kind of like this. Here's the point that they never thought it would, quote, unquote, end like this. And, uh, you, you know, it's, it's, I think it's there that in my, in my head, once again, I'm a, you know, I, I kinda, I'm a visual learner. But, but I can see that, man, that they're just sitting there staring at each other in utter disbelief. And everything in the natural was screaming at them, don't miss this statement, that all hope was lost. Am I making sense? So I got a question today. H- have you ever had one of those moments in your life where you thought, man... It, it, let, me, let, me, let me give you the, the wording that you might have used. This wasn't supposed to happen, at least not to me. Right? It's like we expect things to happen, you know, somebody else states away. But when it happens to us, we're just sitting there dumbfounded like, holy smokes. And, and, and we're sitting there and it's like, man, we feel overwhelmed. We feel like life's impossible. We're sitting there and we're going, man, the only thing certain about my life right now is that it's uncertain. You know, you don't have the right words. You don't know which way to go. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know where to go find help. Guess what? It's just, it just goes on and on and on. And, and But but this is what I really love about God. Watch this. It, it's no different than with the disciples it, that when we begin to think all hope is lost, right on time, Jesus walks calmly into our storm and restores hope. We get rattled. We get devastated. And he's... I'm thankful for that. See, it's kind of like this. If you can kind of parallel for a second, disciples, us, even though we can't see past our problem, Jesus is dead, here's my issue, he begins to move behind the scenes. Three days they're weeping, and guess what? He's not idle during that three days, right? We're sitting there, we're having a meltdown, and he's triumphantly conquering the power of sin and death. Right? While we're staring in unbelief, He's quietly orchestrating the events of heaven and earth to accomplish His purpose for our lives. Isn't that great news? It's kind of like this. It's, man, that, that God's fighting our battles when we didn't even know there was one to fight. Why do He do that? Because He loves us. That, that is sitting there, man, He's obtaining our victory even when we didn't even know there was a victory that could have been won, that it was even possible. Why did He do that? Because He's good. You know, in the same way... He resurrected disciples' hope. Watch this. We all, you know, to kind of add a little bit more story so we can kind of get a little bit more of it in, is, is this, that these guys are sitting there, and, and they're, once again, heartbreak. They're crying. They're weeping. They're just a hot mess. And, 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 and guess what happens? you got, you got Mary and a few ladies. They go to the tomb, and they plan on going there to do what? To mourn, Right. And they show up, and the stone's been rolled away. And I love the fact that stone wasn't rolled away, uh, so he could get it out. It was rolled away, so we could get in and see. Yeah. Right? It's so important. So, so understand it was rolled away, and what happens? There's an angel sitting there, and it says, "Woman, why are you looking for the living among the dead?" He's alive. Why? Because it's a living hope, yeah, yeah. right? So, so then you know what they do? They take off. Ah! They run back, and they tell the disciples, and, and they go, "Well, we don't believe." <laughs> But John and Peter get up and they run. And I love John. I love his humility in his book. Because it says that him and Peter were running, but he has to put in there that he outran Peter. <laughs> a dude loves a good competition. I don't care where it's at. So, so he, he, out, he outruns him to the tomb, but he said he didn't go in. Peter got there because you know Peter's bold. And Peter goes in the tomb and he sees, he sees once again the head claws folded up. And we all know if you study church history and culture, it means it is finished. It's what a carpenter would do to say, it is finished, it's done. It's good news, right? So they go and they scratch their head, we don't know really what to do with this. And there's this glimmer of hope in their hearts. And then what happens, they're sitting there, they tell Thomas, and Thomas does what so many of us do. Well, bless God, I'm not going to believe unless I see a hole in the hand, and the the suit, I'm not going to believe. <laughs> and so the next time they're gathered, what does Jesus do? He walks through the wall again, scares, ah, scares them all, right? Love it, and he says, peace. And then he says, hey, Thomas, put your hand there, put your hand there. And he repents for his unbelief. And then Jesus says this amazing thing that's really about for all of us. He says this. He says, uh, basically, that's good, Thomas, that you believed when you saw. But blessed are those who have never seen and they still believe. Because that's true faith. Right? And so, and so then lastly, you know, kind of fast forward in the story. But because what, what's happened is, is Jesus is, in these moments, he's restoring their hope. And I love the fact, watch this, that he came in a way that they didn't expect. He always comes in ways we don't expect. Always. Always. It makes him beautiful, but it makes him difficult. But it comes in ways we don't expect. And, and what happens for the next several weeks, guess what? They see him on numerous occasions through this, once again, this, this final moment where there's 500 people. And by the way, this isn't just uh, church history that backs this up. This is even secular history that backs this up. That there's 500 people standing on the beach while Jesus blesses them and Jesus ascends into heaven. 500 people. Watch that. If you don't think that's significant, you turn on your six o'clock news and, uh, and one person that can hardly speak, because they always pick the person that can't speak, gives testimony of what they saw happen in, in, in whatever neighborhood and you believe it. But 500 people see, see something, you go, I don't know. <laughs> so true, so true. So listen, in, in the same way that Jesus surprises them, Guess what? Jesus is trying to get in our lives today the same way He resurrected their hope. He wants to resurrect your hope. That's, right. That's all I'm saying. Yes. It, it, it's kind of like this, and we'll be done here. Is I want to ask you this morning, and seriously, take a second in your own heart, what, what is at least one area that you say, I could use some hope there. I could really use some hope there. You know, for some time... I've really needed some hope there. Seems like I've lost it. I don't know how I lost it. I um, thought I was doing good, but I lost it. What's one spot? I think we all got one. Or maybe it's just me. But I think it's, uh, it's significant today, once again, that you're not here by accident, that you say this. Everybody look in here, please. I, I know I'm not that good looking, but look here, okay? Is, uh, if there's that area that you say, man, I need hope in, I'm going to encourage you to do this, to invite Jesus into that spot. Just ask him. So often we get so caught up in the details of how he's going to fix it. Don't worry about all that. Just invite him to fix it. Right? He, he Listen, God is big enough and great enough and smart enough, has enough resources to help you. So so our problem so often is is we try to we say, I need hope, all right, but I'm gonna try to fix it. And then guess what happens? He just takes a step back. That's truth. But when you say, Man, Jesus, I just gotta have you, I'm gonna get out of the way, you do your thing. So listen, as we prepare to close here, you know, I think the interesting thing about talking about this today, and once again, you know, I kind of told the team this morning when we were praying was I, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of like going to this disaster zone with all this. You know, I'm really trying not to, so you just got to have to kind of interpret it in your own world, in your own life. But it's kind of like this. I realize that every person in this room uh, isn't void of hope. I, you know, I understand that. But more than likely, I will say this, that there's a large portion of this room that you've known at one time what it means to not walk with God. And if you can remember that moment, you'll remember when you didn't have hope. So it's kind of two-sided here, okay? Part of it now is that, number one, you realize that you have hope, and you realize you live in a in a city, a town, a village, whatever this is. <laughs> that town, thank you. That uh, says the other girl from Alabama. I love that. <laughs> We're from Metropolises. Okay, so... I'm just a redneck from the woods, y'all. So anyway, so li- li- listen, that, 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 that we're surrounded by people every day that need that hope. So you're a carrier of hope. It's your job to take it to them. Yes? In fact, the Bible says this. It says that we should always be ready to give an answer for our hope. So, so listen, so that's one. The second part of this is this, is if you, you know, didn't know what it was like to have it, but you got right with God, and you, and you have it now, Right, today is really—it's just simple as this. It's a day to remember, to be thankful, to celebrate. Right, but but I have to say this: it is every Sunday we celebrate. So there's nothing. Everybody, listen. There's nothing really in the grand scheme of things that's more significant about today than any other Sunday. Every day. Every day. day. Are y'all hearing me? It's a live. It's a living hope, not a a once-a-year hope. (laughs) Yes. So I have a verse I want to read to you guys just to encourage you so you can just say amen on this. All right? Good deal? Here we go. Uh, It's a verse. I just wanted to share it, and I found a place to share it. So here it is. (laughs) Psalms 27. It says this. It says, what would have become of me? For you guys that know what it's like to not know him, then to know him. Man, think about that. What would have come of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Can I get an amen on that? Listen. it Says, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and be of good cheer, a good courage, and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. In fact, I'll say this before I move to the next thing: is today I really wanted to. I really wanted to end today with a uh, like a story of hope that was outside the Bible, just something to kind of grab our hearts. And it was funny. I, you know, it's like, have you ever been in those spots where you're like, I know a thousand, but I can't think of one. And, and, and I realized in the middle of that, I even called one of my buddies in Alabama. Hey, man, I need this. <laughs> right? He's, he, he, Duke can preach the wallpaper off the wall. Help me out. <laughs> Nothing came. Okay? And, uh, but what I realized was, is, man, there's, there's uh, real life stories of hope, testimonies of hope all in this room. All we have to do is get to know each other. You, you know, I, I mean, I thought about people that uh, they said that, man, you got cancer and you should be dead. Well, that's been a while ago, and you ain't dead. Jesus healed you. Well, that's a story of hope. You, you know, there, there's one guy, and I keep thinking about this, that, you know, uh, before he knew Jesus, he used to drink so much alcohol, he pickled his inside. And actually, they, uh, some people in his life sent him down to Texas to uh, to get some stuff checked out. But when he got down there, his wife prayed for him before he left. And when he got down there, Jesus healed him and gave him all new insides, like he never drank a day. Well, that's a story of hope. Are, are y'all with me? You, you, you know, some of y'all, y'all, y'all had two and three broken marriages, and now you got a great one. Well, your story of redemption and hope. Yeah. Am I making sense, you guys? So, man, it's all around the room, man. Everybody that's walking with Jesus in this room, you, you, you know, look, I mean, there's a guy right there who used to be homeless in a drug addict. Right? Not to pick on him. Right? Well, he's got a beautiful marriage today, and he's rocking it. Story of hope. Am I, am I making sense? So let me give you this uh, second, people that I know that just might be here today, is this, is that you love Jesus, and you're giving him your heart, but deep down inside, you know that you're not walking in joy and peace. You're not, and, and, it's, like, and it's like this, the, the, the best wording that keeps coming to my mind, is it's like you need to ask God to reset your hope. Just to reset it, just hit the reset button, God, in my life, and let my hope be restored. In fact, I got a good verse for you today. It, it, it says this, because I want you to know he can do it. It says in Romans 15:13 says may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him what do we trust in we're trusting those promises so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit well that wouldn't be so bad to overflow with hope would it amen last one is this is uh, and there's really two groups of people in this but but it's maybe this Man, you came here today because, you know, either you got invited or you know, man, it's, it's Easter. Right? And we go to church when it's Easter. But you know in your heart of hearts, you know you and God, God's really way over there. And you're, you're so far apart, it is unbelievable. And you know that in your heart today. In fact, uh, you're sitting here and, you, and your palms might be sweaty, your heart may be pounding, or you may be thinking, dear God, when's this guy going to shut up so I can go? <laughs> right? And, 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 you know, there's somebody in that group today that you you think because you attend church occasionally that you're good. And it's really not about attending church. You know, it's kind of like this. If you don't know that you know that you know that you know when you got right with God, you probably didn't. Listen, I, I can tell you that on April the 12th, I kissed my wife for the first time. I can tell you that I proposed on June the 28th. I can tell you that I got married on June the 21st. I can tell you when every one of my kids were born. I can tell you the dates of significant things that happened in my life. And if I can't tell you when I got right with God, it might not have happened. But see, here's the great news about today is is this, is that God is so awesome and so kind, He's not going to muscle His way into your life. He's not going to make you do it, right? He's just, he's just not. Uh, but what he, what he did do, and we sang about it earlier when we sang uh, Reckless Love, is he comes and he'll kick down every door. He'll, he'll remove every mountain. He'll remove every obstacle. And then what, he, what does he do? He just gives you an invitation. And all he's doing in that invitation is, it's, you know, we, we think so often that we're inviting him into our life, yes, but more so he's just inviting us into his. Because there's not much living hope in ours, but there's living hope in His. There's not much redemption in our life, but there's redemption in His. There's not much forgiveness there, but there's forgiveness here. Love, right? Joy, peace. Are you seeing the point? But i got to take that invitation. And once again, it's just simply, Jesus, I want it. Right? Let me read a verse to you today. It says this in Romans 5, 5, last verse. It says, and hope does not disappoint. There's this thing in our hearts that says this. Man, if I, if I give my life to Jesus, if I give my life to Jesus, man, what's really going to happen with my life? Right? I, I remember that. I remember being uh, 18 years old thinking, man, if I give Jesus my life, what in the world is he going to do with it? <laughs> Anybody ever had that thought? That if I really surrender, man, what's he going to do with it? And I'm here to tell you that today, I can tell you 20 years later, Hope does not disappoint. He has not disappointed me a a, a day since. The moment that I said, Jesus, come to my life, I knew I was going to do this. That scared me to death. Scared me. Okay? But he hasn't disappointed along the way. He won't for you either. Says this, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his unconditional love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. It's this simple thing that says this, that there's an unconditional love available to you today that's not based off of what you have done. It's not based off, you know, once again, what you've done right, what you've done wrong. It's just bottom line, God loves you. And he wants to walk with you. Remember what we said at the top, we said this. uh, Do you mind moving this? Can you do that? That, uh, remember what we said at the top, that God has made some promises to you that you can know him. You can jam the music when it plays, right? So that you can know him that guess what, that you can find uh, freedom in him and also that uh, he will give you a purpose and also he'll help you make a difference. That's pretty good, right? Can we just stand to our feet real quick? Worship team, come up. Ministry team, come up, please. If you don't mind, just when you stand, just close your eyes. Listen, today's a really simple message. I love it that God made it simple. Or it'd be really hard for us to understand. Uh, But just kind of with all eyes closed today, um, let's take a a moment and just seriousness before the Lord. You know, and I want to ask you, let's do this. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would begin to walk through this room and walk through the corridors of our heart. Nobody, and I mean nobody, knows us better than you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would begin to reveal to every one of us in this room uh, just where we're at. Lord, I thank you that you don't do that to condemn us, that you don't do that to punish us, but Lord, you do it because you love us. So Lord, I'm just asking this moment that there would be an increase of the awareness of your love and your heart for every one of us in this room. And Lord, would you even give us the uh, ability to know what you desire to do in our lives at this moment? So the area I want to focus on, once again, with all eyes closed, just those two things that we ended there at the end. If if you are a believer here today, the man that you know, that you know, that you know, that you've given Jesus your heart, you're doing your absolute best to serve him, uh, but you know somewhere along the way you've lost your hope. If, If that's you, just lift your hand, please. Well, it's okay. You're in a safe place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, can you lift it up high? Just lift it up high and just kind of hold it high for me. Yeah, you just said, man, I've lost my hope. Amen. Put your hands down. Um, now I'm going to ask you the next thing, which is, is maybe the most important thing that's, uh, you know, that's going to be asked today is this, is if you know that you're here and you know that, man, pastor, that's me, Maybe I've been right with God before, but I'm not now. Or maybe, man, I've, I've, I've you know, this whole church thing, man, I, it, it's totally new. First of all, I want to say nobody's in, in, in asking you to join some church. We're asking you to join the family of God. And so if you're here today and you say, man, Pastor, me and God are so far apart. But today, I, man, I want, I want that distance to be gone. I want to get right with God. I, I want my sins forgiven. I want, I want to know him. I want to find that freedom that you talked about. I want to know my purpose, man. I want to make a difference. I want to walk with Jesus. If that's you today, you say, man, Pastor, that's me. I got to get right with him today. Throw your hand up really high, please, so I can see it. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, here's what we're going to do. Everybody uh, look at me, please. Um, I have some friends down here with me, okay? And um, you know, I get easily pray in this moment, but the truth is is where you're at in life, you need somebody to join with you in prayer. Once again, there is absolutely no pressure from us. All we're doing is making ourselves available. Uh, but if you're one of those people that lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you not to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to come down and, and, uh, and just grab somebody. Once again, I am asking for men to go to men, women to go to women. And I'm going to ask you to just get open and honest. We're not here to reveal your secrets today. We're just here to say, you know what, let's partner with you and let's, and let's pray and let's believe Jesus is going to do something significant in your life. So if you lifted your hand could you please uh, come and and just get these guys to pray for you please I know it's going to take some courage uh, but I would ask you to do it the team's just going to begin to sing yep if you need to bring some with you that's fine come on please don't be afraid as these guys continue to minister if you don't mind let's just pray one more time and we're going to bless you thank you for coming today Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I um, obviously there's people, Lord, in their seat today that, Lord, that you need to do a work in, that you desire to do a work in. And So, Father, we just ask today, God, uh, just right there in our own seats, Father, we thank you for releasing hope over us today in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for a living hope, God, rising in our hearts today. Lord, we pray, God, that we would leave this place infused because you have poured it in us, God, with your unconditional love. And Lord, if we are that person that's been far away from you, Lord, we just pray today, God, very simple. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Jesus, we ask you to be the Lord of our lives. Jesus we ask you to come and be the be the uh, be my best friend to be uh, you, you know to be everything to me Lord we're asking God today that uh, just that you would come and make us a new creation that you would make us new in fact Lord what your word says God that when we confess you with our mouths and we believe in our hearts God that you would come Lord and you would awaken us God to who you are and so Lord today we just pray God for every person that they'd be blessed God that every person God would have a greater measure of who you are in their lives. God, they'd have a greater measure of being aware of your love for them. In Jesus' name.